In a world filled with spyware, ransomware, fish, and more, we need you to be the hero. In this podcast, information protection and security is bringing new ways to fight back against the dangerous actors looking to do digital and physical harm. We'll give you everything you need to know on a different topic of risk every month. Coming to you from IPS with love. Today, our guest is Chief Information Security Officer Jason Barnett, and he's going to share his experience figuring out how to talk to teens uh, about privacy and online matters at home. Welcome, Jason. Thanks, Lisa. It's good to be here. Well, tell me a little bit about, so we know as Vice President of Information Security, um, you're concerned with privacy and cybersecurity matters at work. Mm -hmm. Um, But talk about in your private life, when you get get home, how are those matters important as well? My three kids keep me busy in this space. I've got a now 18 year old that just started college. So he is on his own to some degree. Mm-hmm. And we have already had this conversation about uh, your, your, your privacy and your online presence while you're at school. I've got one that's soon to be 15 at the end of this month. And so she uses technology mm-hmm. in a very different way. Um, so we've had a different kind of conversation with her. And then I've got one that's uh, younger yet. He's about to be 12 this month. Mm-hmm. and uh, this is the furthest thing from his mind. All he wants to do is talk about fishing and riding his dirt bike. <laughs> well, that does bring up, I think, one of the first questions is when do you start talking to, I mean, we're talking about teens here, but how early should you start talking to kids about online privacy? Well, keep in mind, a lot of what I've got to say here are lessons learned. So it's kind of a retrospective on things that I wish I, I did do. But I'm in a fortunate spot that my kids do ask me about work and they get, you know, generally speaking, this information security, online security, cybersecurity kind of thing. Uh, Unfortunately, they always equate it to a movie. Um, (laughs) But I think the value in that kind of conversation is to make sure that you're having these conversations at home long before they ever establish some kind of an online presence. Um, How do you protect your own assets? How do you Uh, talk to your kids about handing out the Wi-Fi passwords to all their friends in the neighborhood uh, Mm -hmm. that come over and visit. So I think it's really important long before they get their own device, maybe using shared technology at home, Mm -hmm. uh, that you have these conversations. And, and, uh, you know, even your significant other at home, uh, modeling that behavior, having those conversations between the two of you that your kids can hear, that your teens can hear, uh, is certainly going to set the stage for good habits and good behaviors later on as they get older. Yeah, and when you've talked about role modeling, um, one of the things I like that you said is it even starts as early as um, when you want to see your spouse's phone or um, using each other's phones and the idea of in the house, um, that's an acceptable thing, but certainly not outside of the home. You don't want to be sharing your device. Absolutely. I think your young teens have to understand that having these technologies are more of a, uh, it's a privilege. It's, you know, it's a fun Mm -hmm. thing for them. Um, And as a parent, it's our responsibility to protect our youngsters. And that that may mean we look through your phone, we look through your phone together. We talk about the apps that you install Mm -hmm. um, because how your teen set up these apps and start using them will certainly be an indicator to someone else online who might be using those apps and you want to be able to protect your your youngsters from that so it's a whole lot more than i just want to see who you're talking to (laughs) through your snapchat or through your instant messages 
um, but it's also to help make sure that you've got everything set up so they're protected and that your family's protected. Well, and when we're talking about teens and, and certainly preteens, I know a lot of screen time for many of them is often spent gaming, which mm -hmm. comes with its own considerations. Um, can you talk about privacy concerns around gaming and especially around um, you know, protecting financial information when it comes to in-game purchases? Well, I think it's a financial information and a whole lot more. If you think about uh, teens that use their phones day in and day out, even the schools are starting to have students rely on uh, their, their mobile devices for online searches and things like that. But as they start to install these applications and set up user accounts and profiles and passwords, they really need to be mindful as to kind of the information that they're putting into these systems um, because sometimes that may have an outward facing presence. The world may see that it's Lisa that's logged into this application mm. and the more information I can get about Lisa, uh, you run the risk of potentially being social engineered or uh, you may have a, uh, you know, you might have a, a young teenager that's talking to somebody they shouldn't be talking to. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really important to make sure that you work with your youngsters to make sure that when they present themselves online or they have to understand that they're being presented to a broader audience than just sitting there putting in my information so I can download an app or buy something in an in-game purchase. So mm -hmm. I'm playing uh, you know, I'm playing my car driving game and I want to download a new map or I want to download new car parts, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, to your point, all that costs money. So um, how do you give your young people, um, you know, the resources to be able to buy these things if you've approved it? Um, um, and, and that's something that we all need to be very mindful of, um, just loading our credit card information into their apps or their phone to make these purchases over and over again can get very expensive for us. Um, but rather take advantage of the gaming platforms where uh, you can set them up in a way that it asks for mom or dad's approval whenever they mm. want to make the purchase, um, as opposed to just putting all that responsibility on the youngster or, or use gift cards. Um, sometimes, mm. you know, my boys, they like playing Xbox and for every birthday or holiday, they, they'll, get, uh, they'll get an Xbox gift card from uh, one of the grandparents or uh, a family member, um, and then they can load those credits in on, mm -hmm. on the Xbox and be able to use them that way. So the, 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 the gaming platform manufacturers have started to do a pretty good job mm -hmm. of creating outlets so you can kind of have this primary account and subordinate family accounts underneath it uh, so that uh, your team can't get in trouble by buying too much or overexposing information online. Mm -hmm. Right, and that kind of brings us into social media apps too, which um, I know a lot of them have age limits. Um, a lot of them are maybe through um, a family ID. Uh, you know, how do you deal with as far as sharing credentials with your kids? Help, you know, they want to check out something. Um, what, what, what kind of conversations does that bring up? The big conversation is, is whatever you post, it never goes away. It's always going to be out there. Mm -hmm. Assume that anything you post will be out there forever. And you might not have a problem with it today, but when you're grown up, when you're trying to get a job, um, all that could very well still be available. So mm -hmm. you need to think about um, how young people post online. Instagram is a big one for my kids. They like, uh, they like posting what's going on at sporting events and they like posting about what's going on at school or school events. And, and a lot of those things are okay. 
um, but there's still the risk of overexposing. Are you showing uh, information in the background about where mm. you're at uh, um, and, and describe, unfortunately, that could put you at risk for somebody to come find where you're at or be able to figure out that even if you don't say who you are by showing that I play lacrosse at this school in this town, maybe somebody can put mm. two and two together and figure out who you are. It sounds really far-fetched, um, but if somebody's got an intent, uh, they'll go through whatever's necessary in order to piece the, the puzzle pieces together uh, so that they can get the information they want. And at the same time, you know, a lot of parents don't like their kids being posted on social media platforms mm. to be mindful of who you're taking pictures mm. of. Uh, so you've got to think about everything that goes online, what you post and how you post it. There's a lot less risk in posting uh, you, know, you know, your two cheeseburgers and fries and let your friends know you went to McDonald's versus this is what my mom made and what her name is and that we had it at home in, in this particular state for this uh, mm -hmm. holiday get together. And they're two very different things. So I think it, it's very high level conversation. Try to use terms that they understand. Uh, make it repetitive. Don't try to make your, your teens get all the answers mm -hmm. right all at once and make them know that it's comfortable to talk about. And how do you take down posts and how do you change things around in your social media platform if you need to? Because mark my words, the day will come when they posted something that uh, they wish they didn't and they want to have a conversation about how to change it or delete it or get it offline as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Not so they come to you, the expert. Yeah, That's good. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you mentioned a lot about, um, you know, locations, kind of letting people know where you are, exactly where you are, and that kind of brings up another technology aspect of, of tracking your teen or tracking mm -hmm. your child. I mean, there's a lot of um, different apps, different devices out there. What's, what's your take on them and what have you used? I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, there, there are a lot of built-in capabilities, say in the Apple platform, there's apps out there that you can buy uh, that, will, that will give you information about where your teen's phone is anyway. Mm. Um, but I, I've never been really a hovering kind of a parent, but when my oldest son started driving, um, I was super nervous about it because for years prior, most of his life was in our little hometown. He went to school in our hometown, played sports in our hometown. The stores were right there in our little area that he needed to go to. His tutors were in that area. So very rarely did he have to get out into the bigger city. And I, I'll be honest, I was very nervous about what that might look like as he tried to venture out beyond the, the bounds of our, our little small town. And so his mother and I did agree that uh, we would use uh, an, app, an app on his phone and our phones to be able to see where the kids were, where their devices were anyway, mm -hmm. and how they were moving about and where they were. Uh, but at the same time, I committed to them, I'm not snooping, I'm not looking for you all the time. And, and over time, just had conversations with them if it ever came up. You know, I really only look at it if you forget to check in. <laughs> or I really only look at it if you've been gone all day and I'm a little bit worried about where you're at because you said you'd be home at 2 o'clock. Uh, or if, um, you know, if you're going out with a group of friends and you're not driving. That was most of the time because then I knew that somebody else was kind of hmm. uh, setting the agenda that if they needed to go someplace else, the car might go someplace that he didn't anticipate. 
And most of the time, you know, he would message me and say, hey, dad, change of plans. We're going to eat dinner after playing basketball instead of coming straight home. Mm -hmm. And I was fine with that. And so I think once they realized that I was respecting it and, and not trying to uh, hover, hover over them and understand where they were every minute of every day, um, it, it, uh, uh, they, they felt better about it. Um, so I, I think, you know, you, you take the time to research. There's several apps out there that, mm -hmm. that uh, will give you that kind of capability. Um, just know that you've got to find a balance between <laughs> protecting your kids, protecting your family, and them feeling like they're kind of snooping in on what you're doing. <laughs> well, it sounds like being transparent, though, has worked for you, too. Letting them know that you're tracking them, but here's when you're doing it. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. We, I've always been very transparent with it, because, like I said, the last thing I wanted is for them to feel like I was kind of snooping in, because they do have their own right to privacy, and we've mm -hmm. always accounted for that in, in, in the household, and their room is their space. But... Um, you know, as a parent, I still need to protect them and take care of them. So mm -hmm. if I need to go look at something, if I need to go watch over something, I'm going to do that. Um, but know that it's not because I'm suspicious of you or that I feel like you did something wrong or, um, you know, it's usually only if, if there's a cause and, um, mm -hmm. I need to do it to protect the family. So mm -hmm. yes, transparency is mm -hmm. the best policy. Do it up front, set the expectation early. And you won't have to worry about some of the grief you might get on the back end otherwise. <laughs> well, um, I like how you mentioned, too, in kind of talking about, you know, why why this is important, talking about some of the criminals out there, some things that can happen, but that you do it um, in a big picture kind of way. Mm -hmm. uh, here at work, obviously, we talk all the time about malware and phishing and ransomware. Those aren't things you're talking to your kids about, right? You're keeping it more relative to them. Yes. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't have some of these bigger conversations because my oldest has still got a computer. He's still got an email account. So a lot of these lessons that we talk about, things that we talk about here at work have lessons at home as well. Uh, so I try to make that connection where I can, but they also need to understand that there's bad people out there that are going to prey on young people. Um, so if you're posting private information about mm -hmm. yourself that uh, allow somebody to know where you're at or know something personal about you or the family. You need to be mindful of that. There's people that are trying to look for opportunities to get money from you. So click here and you'll get a $5 gift certificate from Amazon when, you know, all you find out is somebody drained your bank account. Uh, so, uh, yes, I think young people do need to understand to a degree that bad things happen. And those are the things that you're trying to make them aware of. Um, in my case, I always got the yeah, the attitude of, yeah, it'll never happen to me kind of thing. I'm in a good spot because things that go on at work to some degree can translate into or be abstracted into, uh, you know, conversation at home. Uh, but I would encourage anybody that's facing this situation to go out and do a little bit of homework. You won't have to spend too much time online to find some examples or some specific use cases mm -hmm. that could uh, could be teed up as a good conversation with your teen or your tweener, um, <laughs> it, you know, if they've got access to that kind of technology. Yeah, I found it really interesting when we were first talking about this and I was talking about fish and email scams and you said to me, you know, my kids don't really use email. Mm. How do you go about finding out how, you know, how are they communicating and, and how do you, um, uh, I guess, watch them doing that or guide them in doing that? 
Well, we, we still try to teach them some of the basics of email because at least for my oldest, it's being used for school. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, um, you know, email wasn't a basis of communication. It was different kinds of uh, apps and online learning platforms that have communications mm -hmm. channels inside of them. Uh, the kids will talk to one another through uh, text messages or different mm -hmm. instant messaging applications. Uh, Snapchat's a big one, Signal's a big one. You know, they'll write the message and it'll disappear. And, um, you know, a lot of young people will use that to try to hide, you know, what's going on. So all I can do is uh, try to be involved and let them know over and over again that if they need to come to me with something, it's safe, it's okay, um, and, and show them and talk to them about good online behaviors and sending information that you wouldn't want somebody else to see, that's typically uh, an indicator of something that you <laughs> probably shouldn't be putting out there. Great. Well, thank you, Jason. We appreciate your insight um, into the keeping teens safe in the, in the digital world. Um, and we have a gift for you before you leave. We have a special IPS pen, but like all 007 um, special things, I would suggest you not click that unless the fate of the world at stake. Okay. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was great to be here today. Um, so you can watch more from IPS with Love episodes on Media Connect and find more information on keeping kids safe online by going to Atlas Connect and searching for kids. <laughs>